remains at risk. S&P futures are down 42, Dow futures off 307. This is CBS News. There's always something new under the sun. CBS Mornings, weekdays on CBS. I need postcards printed and designed. Oh, and a targeted direct mail campaign. It's possible at Staples. I need my presentation printed, bound, and perfect. Also possible. Your local Staples store can help your business navigate the future of work with custom printed sales and marketing materials. Now get 25% off custom printed labels, postcards, flyers, brochures, and more when you spend $60 or more. Explore what's new at Staples, the working and learning store. Ends 129 in-store only. See staples.com print for details. Yes, Ms. Tubbs. Uh, no problem. I'll call someone about the plumbing. One of Beatrice's properties needs a new superintendent. Team is not someone with handyman superpowers and a concierge alter ego. Does anyone know any good electricians near Parkville? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Tomorrow marks 50 years since American Pie became a number one song in the U.S. and its legacy endures. Long, long Don McLean says the famous opening and the chorus came first. And then I waited about three months and I figured out what I was going to do and just wrote the whole thing in about an hour. Anthony DeCurtis is with Rolling Stone magazine. It describes a history that means so much to people, you know, beginning with the plane crash that killed uh, Buddy Holly. In the song, Buddy Holly's death is memorialized as the day the music died, but McLean plays down the meaning of other lyrics. If I had wanted to say the king was Elvis, I would have said Elvis, but I didn't. And that mystery, says Anthony DeCurtis, is part of the song's enduring appeal. The song is written as a kind of riddle. Steve Futterman, CBS News, Los Angeles. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Now an important message from Exergen. A critical new FDA study proves that the widely used non-contact thermometers are not accurate and have high probabilities for false negative readings. New COVID strands are on the rise and non-contact manufacturers are being irresponsible at a time when accuracy matters most. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. Don't wait. Switch to Exergen because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. Millions of people use Zoom Phone, the innovative and feature-rich cloud phone system for businesses of any size. Zoom Phone is simple to use, whether you're on a mobile device, desktop, laptop, or desk phone. And because every call is important to your business, Zoom Phone was built with reliability in mind, using geographic redundancy to keep your communications online. Empower your workforce with Zoom Phone. Visit zoom.com slash phone system. Zoom, how the world connects. Who day? For the first time since 2015, the Cincinnati Bengals are in the playoffs. Listen in on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM Saturday, January 15th, as Joe Burrow and the Bengals take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Playoff football on WATH is brought to you locally by Red Brick, VSWC Architects, and Rutland Bottle Gas. The Bengals are on the air starting at 3 o'clock on WATH.
Are you a child care provider? Ever considered being a child care provider? Wanting to work from home and be your own boss? Athens County Child Care Unit can help you get started. Child care is essential to working families and the workforce shortage. Athens County is in desperate need of child care settings. Start your own business. Become a licensed family child care provider. Contact the child care unit at Ohio Means Jobs, Athens County, 510 West Union Street, or by calling 740-797-1405. Since 1972, Dandeman Electric has been providing professional solutions at fair prices. Whether it is dedicating a line for your computer, running all new electric lines, installing new lighting, air services, ductwork for distributing the best heating and cooling throughout your home, or complete HVAC system installations for the home or office, Dandeman Electric can hook you up. Consider a backup generator for those untimely Southeast Ohio power outages. Call Dandeman Electric, 740-593-8813. That's Dandeman Electric, 740-593-8813. Hey, it's Boots will talk vacation and travel, update NASCAR, and go inside a race team. That's AutoSmarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Daily reports at the stock market's close. Tune in at 5.30 tonight on WATH to stay informed about your money. The stock market report is brought to you by Goldsberry Wealth Strategies, serving Athens County since 2005. The Goldsberry Wealth Strategies stock market report airs exclusively in Athens County on 970 WATH weekdays at 5.30 immediately after our local newscast. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Advisors, Inc. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. You deserve the peace of mind that comes with affordable health insurance. Get Covered Ohio can help at no charge. Financial assistance is available and coverage is more affordable than ever. Some health insurance plans are as low as $10 or less a month. Don't wait. Open enrollment ends January 15th. Make your free appointment today by calling 833-628-4467 or visit GetCoveredOhio.org. This message is supported by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, but does not necessarily represent the official views of the U.S. government. Sponsored by the Ohio Association of Food Banks, aired by the OAB and this station. Can you talk that fast? Um, if I had to, only, yes. If I, I, I don't to. think I could if, if I had to. By the way, yabba dabba do. <laughs> I-N-E-P-T, M-F-T. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. Well, Coach Turf, you're off to the beach as Seashore State is the next ball game. It's coming up this weekend. That's right. You know, it is a road ball game, and I am real proud of the fact that you got the 19 and 37 Packard back here in one piece. What I'm going to do is make sure that you didn't do nothing wrong. I'm going to get our brand-new driver, old Skid Crawford, to fire that rascal up. Hey, Skid, fire up the old Packard, will you? Coach, that's just the way it was starting with me. Well, that's the way it's been starting since ever since 1937. Listen, it's purring like a kitten. Not any kitten I know, but it, it, that, that thing runs like a fine watch. Listen to that rascal go. And we appreciate you driving around all week in that thing and, and appreciate you bringing it back to us so that we can make this road trip over to Seashore State. Well, I guess you've got everything packed and ready to go to the beach. That's right. We got us a brand new driver, old Skid Crawford. Nurse that rascal. Nurse it. He's got everything. I meant to tell you about that uh, about that rattle, Coach. Uh, well, he's got everything packed in, in trunks and all the uniforms and all the equipment packed in the Packard, and we're ready to go. How do you get all your players on this one vehicle? Well, some of them ride in, some of them ride on, some of them ride behind. Do you have a limit on the number of players that you can take on a road trip? 
Only the ones that can suit up. I'll be back with Coach Turf right after this message. <laughs> and the Art Turf Show is proudly sponsored by Road Brine with Beet Juice. And we're going to need it Sunday night and Monday morning. With Beet Juice? Beet Juice. I'll explain more after Art Turf. Okay. Coach Turf, you're ready to head to Seashore State in the road game this week. I see you have the Packard all ready to go, and I'm certainly glad to be giving uh, up the keys uh, to your new driver. Well, that's all right. We got Skid Crawford going to take good care of us. Of course, now, anytime you want to take the Packard for a week or a day or anything, a little spin around town, you just feel free. Maybe you can do it again next year. I think I'll let somebody else have that privilege. Well, Skid can take care of us. He's going to take us to the beach, and I understand that the Seashore State has got a real fine ball club. What do you know about them? You have a scouting report on them? Well, that's right. You know, we got a real fine scouting report. I understand they got real fine boys at their skill positions. Like, for example, they got a quarterback named of a Sturgeon, Stan Sturgeon. I understand he can hand off and uh, he can throw the football. He can run the football. He's a triple threat out there. In fact, he likes to throw the ball to his favorite wide receiver, a boy named of a Schooner, Scott Schooner, and he likes to float over that field and catch that ball. And their favorite running back is a boy named of a Schroeder, Shrimp Schroeder. Uh, not a very big boy, but he can really scoot around them ends. What about your coaching opponent this weekend? Well, I understand that uh, Coach Sheffield, that's uh, Shark Sheffield, who's been coaching over to Seesaw State for quite a while, has got a real fine uh, bunch of folks that helps him out behind the scenes. Good supporting cast, then. Well, that's right. You know, like, for example, his secretary, a girl named uh, Sue Salisbury, you know, helps him out in the office. But not only that, she uh, is out there during the ball game selling the programs, and they do something real cute. They print their programs on seashells. So Sue Salisbury, who's the sensational secretary to Shark Sheffield, coach at Seashore State, sells seashells at Surf Stadium home games so the spectators can spot the star signal caller Stan Sturgeon and his supporting squad Scott Schooner and Shrimp Schroeder. Is that what you're telling me? I'm glad you said that. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. And for a second time, I'll say it right now. Yabba Dabba Do. It's a Friday. We got a free for all today. What about Sunday? They're talking about weather. Yeah, we had a notification that uh, there was a weather, not a warning, but a weather watch. Watch. That's the right term. 
Um, by the way, I recently bought a box for my watches. Yeah. Because I have some that are, like, they wind up automatically while you move your arms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so this one keeps them wound up. It, it makes them move once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, anyway, boy, are we off the topics. Anyway, the weather watch um, <laughs> is for Sunday uh, through Monday morning, I think. Yeah, 10 o'clock Sunday morning through 10 o'clock Monday morning. Now, there's a, a, a distinctive difference between what's called a watch and a warning. Yes, uh, it may advance to that at some point, so we'll try to keep you informed. Make sure you listen to the radio throughout the weekend because um, a warning means uh, imminent, right? Yes, very right. likely to happen. Yeah. A watch means a possibility. Yeah, but conditions are favorable. If you want to click but, up. But looking ahead right now, it says on Sunday, 33 degrees are high. I guess 27 are low in snow showers. So that's the forecast. Yes. Okay. Yeah, if you want to click up there on that uh, orange bar. No, I don't. On the screen, it will give you the information from the National Weather Service. Well, who are we listening to here? Well, that's Brian Hughes from Channel 13. This is also from the National Weather Service in Charleston. It gives you the lo- locations okay, and the so, counties. Yeah, Athens, Jackson, Meigs, Morgan, Perry, Vinton, and Washington. Pretty much all of southeastern Ohio. So, um, yeah. Winter storm watch in effect from Sunday morning through Monday morning. Yeah. But they do go on to say total snow snow accumulations of four to six inches possible with up to ten inches in higher elevations. Well, okay, now how do I get back to that other screen? Go to the upper left corner there with the arrow, where the arrow is, and click on that arrow Okay. right there. Got it. All right, anyway, 34 degrees right now here on Columbus Road. Now, do you want to go back to the road brine with beet juice? Well, the road brine I get. The beet juice I don't. The beet juice, when mixed with the brine, helps the salt brine work at lower temperatures to treat ice or snow. You're serious? Yes. Now, the sugar beet is, of course, used to make table sugar as well as it makes feed for cattle or livestock. Beet juice has been proven to lessen the corrosive properties of the salt that we use to apply to the roads. Yesterday I had to drive to Columbus. It was uh, our monthly one of our monthly visits to Columbus to the, uh, the James, my wife, uh, with her treatments. And I noticed on the way back that those little white stripes where they've salted the road with brine uh, have been laid down. And that was last evening. Um, 
Yes, I've noticed it all around the highways here, around Athens. Have they done it recently, too? Oh, yes. Yesterday they were out spraying. So it should be covered, and hopefully it doesn't rain between now and then. I don't think it's supposed to, but of course that rain will. But the beet juice adds to its. It works to to uh, help uh, work on lower temperatures. In, in the it, stuff they're spraying here in Athens, it has that too. I'm not sure if it does. Some areas use it, but not all areas. Most states use the uh, sodium chloride and magnesium chloride dissolved in water that they use to spray. So a lot of that white that you're seeing when it dries out, obviously, is probably the sodium chloride, better known as table salt, rock salt. Salt, salt. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as far as the beet juice, it probably costs more. Does beet juice have color? I mean, I would think it would, would but think it maybe does, yes. maybe it doesn't. Yeah. I would think it does, yes. Okay. But um, anyway, I my guess is we're probably using the basic mixture around here of sure. the rock salt and magnesium chloride dissolved in water. All right. Well, today, the National Day calendar. This is January 14th, by the way. Today is National Dress-Up-Your-Pet Day. You think uh, pets enjoy that? I I think it depends. If I'd like now, to Sky, know if they could talk to see what they would say. Sky like, Hope that is on each afternoon here from 4 to 6, I think. Um, first of all, she's just a nut, right? She's a character <laughs> in a great way. Now... Um, she dresses up Rue. Rue. It's Rhubarb is their, the dog's full name. And you hear Rue in the background often. But it's the tiniest little dog. Now that dog, I think, enjoys having an extra coat on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's just a little thing. Oh, my. Um, but she's loud. Yes. <laughs> She's little and loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can hear her all over the station here, and even she, with doors closed. She's on the payroll. Um, anyway, I think Rue enjoys being dressed up because she's not a long-haired dog by any means. She's ultra small, and, um, you know, she'd just be comfortable. Now, our dogs are big and strong. And on the worst days of winter, we do have a kind of a a jacket that goes over their back. But I don't think they like wearing it. They'd rather just be free of it. Here we're just trying to be good owners. All right, well, National Dress-Up-Your-Pet Day. Ratification Day. Ratification Day on January 14th, which is today. What is that? Annually recognizes the act that officially ended the American Revolution. Ah. The day commemorates the ratification of the Treaty of Paris 
on January 14, 1784 at the Maryland State House in Annapolis, Maryland by the Confederation Congress. Well, I'm embarrassed that I didn't remember that. And then only a third item today. It's National Hot Pastrami Sandwich Day. Um, that sounds acceptable. Sure does. The foodies that we are. Yes. What about historical events for this date of January 14th? First of all, we start with the year 1526, when Charles V and Francis I signed the Treaty of Madrid, forcing Francis to give up claims to Burgundy, Italy, and Flanders. One hundred and twenty years later, in the year 1641, the United East Indian Company conquers the city of Malacca. 7,000 people killed. 1724, the Spanish King Philip V abdicates the throne. 40 years later, in 1761, the Third Battle of Panipat, in one of the largest battles of this century, the mostly Muslim Afghani um, Durrani Empire defeats the mostly Hindu Maratha Empire. This was in northern India. An estimated 60 to 70,000 were killed in the fighting and about 40,000 Marantha prisoners massacred afterwards. If, if a battle, I'm, I'm leaving the topic for a minute, but if you have a battle and a country wins, are the guys that were on the other side, should, they, should that be? That they're all massacred? I don't think so. Oh, well. <coughs> 1784, the U.S. Congress of the Confederation ratifies the Treaty of Paris, which was signed September 3rd, 19, uh, I'm sorry, 1783, ending the Revolutionary War and forwards it to Great Britain. Last one we have to mention is uh, in 2011, not all that long ago, Tunisian President Ben Ali flees to Saudi Arabia after popular protests known as the Jasmine Revolution. Okay, some birthdays, right? Typically we have four, and by golly, we have four today. Benedict Arnold, what a great guy. Speaking of the American Revolution, yeah, he was an American military officer who served during the Revolutionary War. He fought with distinction for the American Continental Army and rose to the rank of Major General before defecting mm. to the British side of the conflict in 1780. Yeah, not a very loyal type guy. Uh, no. 
Benedict Arnold. Anyway, he was born in 1741, died in 1801. Um, someone even farther back, Mark Antony. Uh, and, and in this case, we don't have a photograph. We have a picture of some sort of statue that yep. was made out of Cement, stone, stone. granite. Another granite head okay. picture. Mark Anthony was born in 83 B.C., died in 30 B.C., so didn't make it 50 years. Uh, no. Um, let's see. Did I catch you off guard with that? No, one? I'm looking at the numbers here. Oh. Uh, 30 B.C., 83 but Yeah, got it. Um, Marcus Antonius, commonly known in English as Mark Antony, was a Roman politician and general who played a critical role in the transformation of the Roman Republic from a constitutional republic into the autocratic Roman Empire. I bet you're questioning my mathematics. Uh, no, I was questioning my own as I looked at this. Well, he did BC. make it 50 years. He made it 53 years. Yeah. I did the opposite. Yeah, that's what I was looking at here. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, two living folks. Um, Faye Dunaway, who is, she's celebrating her 81st birthday today. Wow. Good for her. She is an American actress, the recipient of many accolades, including an Academy Award, a Primetime Emmy Award, three Golden Globe Awards, and a BAFTA Award. In 2011, the government of France made her an officer of the Order of Arts and Letters. Her career began in the early 1960s on Broadway. Some of her movies include, I remember this one, Bonnie and Clyde from 1967, Mommy Dearest in 1981, and Chinatown 1974, and The Thomas Crown Affair in 1968. Some well-known titles. Yes. And the last person uh, for whom we're celebrating a birthday today is LL Cool J. <laughs> His 54th birthday today. LL Cool J is an American rapper. His name, James Todd Smith, professionally known as LL Cool J. He's also a record producer and actor, and he became an early hip-hop act to achieve <coughs> excuse me, mainstream success, along with Curtis Blow and Run DMC. Okay, two deaths to bring up. Uh, one is that of Lewis Carroll. Um, he was born in 1832, died in 1898. This is not a name I'm familiar with. Charles Lutwidge Dodgson, better known by his pen name Lewis Carroll, was an English writer of children's fiction, notably Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and its sequel Through the Looking Glass. He was noted for his facility with wordplay, logic, and fantasy. And going farther back, we have Edmund Haley, or Halley, H-A-L-L-E-Y, born in 1656, died in 1742. Okay, this, this should help you. 
His last name is Haley. And to go on, he was an English astronomer. Oh. Yes. Got it? Yep. Yeah. He discovered Halley's Comet. Halley's Comet. He was also a geophysicist, mathematician, meteorologist, and physicist. He was the second astronomer royal in Britain, succeeding John Flamsteed in 1720. So put that in your pipe and do it. Smoke it. All right. Now, here are some questions. But I don't have the answers, and I don't think they're going to be easy to find. But I see them, and they make you kind of scratch your head. Who was the first American president to travel overseas by airplane? Now, we don't have to answer this instantly, but maybe while you're bored back there, (laughs) um, you can find it. Here's another one. What is the world's largest office building? All right. Um, We'll just leave those as be. FDR becomes the first president to travel by airplane. You found that so quickly. did. Crossing the Atlantic by air. Wow. Well done, Scott. First president to travel abroad while in office was Theodore Roosevelt. On official business when he sailed to Panama. And then what was that other one I gave you? Um, What is the world's largest office building? Now, do they mean largest or do they mean tallest? Well, it goes with uh, the largest, looks to me. And this is not surprising. The world's largest is the Pentagon. Been there. Three times the size of the floor space of the Empire State Building in New York. I had to um, give two briefings there. All right. What is the largest building in the world by square feet? By land area, the New Century Global Center in Chengdu, China, is the world's largest building. Not been there. (laughs) What about the tallest? Tallest building? Um, Let's see. I think it's in, I want to say Saudi Arabia. And, and, And once we learn it, how much taller is it than... What's our tallest building? The Empire State Building? It is, uh, well, the tallest uh, first here is the Burj Khalifa Building in Dubois in the United Arab Emirates. It stands 2,717 feet tall. uh, Wait a minute. Where's my pen? Here's a pencil. 2,717? Yeah, feet. Well, there's 5,280 feet in a mile. So that's about a half a mile, I would say. Okay. And then um, the tallest in our nation? Uh, That's what I'm heading for right now. It is the One World Trade Center. 
Oh, the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. What's its uh, in New York City? Uh, well, one thousand seven hundred and seventy-six feet, seventeen seventy-six. Mm. I bet uh, that was intentional. It was, yes. It okay. is also the tallest building in the Western Hemisphere. So this other building is uh, nearly a thousand feet taller. Uh, yes. Wow. All right. Um, what do you want to do? Uh, let's do Bengals. You ready for the Bengals game tomorrow? It's at, what, 415? 4.30. 4.30. Yeah. Coverage starts here on 970 and 97.1 at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Pre-game. Okay. Now, this is postseason play, right? Yes, it is. First round of the playoffs. The and Bengals host the Las Vegas Raiders, who they beat earlier in the season. By host, you mean it'll be played in Cincinnati? In Cincinnati, yes. Okay. First time since uh, 2015, I believe, that they've been in the playoffs. I think the Bengals have the longest streak of any NFL team of not winning a playoff game. But for me, that's going to change tomorrow. No. Come on, phone. Leave me alone. I say the Bengals will win it all. With their, uh, there are some analysts picking the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. And as I mentioned the other day, with an offense that uh, the Bengals have now, with uh, Joe Burrow, a quarterback, as we all know, and the receivers that they have. I mean, you you talk about a possibility of an explosive offense and a running back and Joe Mixon. It won't surprise me if they win it all. The um, Especially with a quarterback like Joe, a winner, a leader, a quarterback with, as we said, with Joey's dad and uh, Dave Lapham, he has that it factor to him. Of course, we had them both on the show here. But we, no, we didn't have uh, Joe himself. We had Jimmy, his father. Yeah, and then we and have Dave uh, Lapham. Yeah, on the phone. Yeah. Um. What a week or so ago. Anyway, my wife has absolutely gone bonkers over this. <laughs> she showed up yesterday with another. Bengals shirt, <laughs> which probably brings her to four, four shirts or sweatshirts or tops or whatever you want to call them, and it's fun because I've not known her to be that excited about something like that. Well, that's good. She has that level of excitement and interest yeah. in. Absolutely. Something, especially what you just said, you know, that she's not had that kind of excitement in something for a while. When she was at Purdue, she was a Purdue fan, but she wasn't, like, over the top or anything. Um, Of course, growing up in Worthington, Ohio State was huge. And I attended many games with my parents and then later, you know, with my friends growing up there. Yeah. Well, I want to... Columbus is Ohio State nuts. Oh, yeah. As they should be. 
Um, later, I became a little interested in Worcester, the College of Worcester. But, you know, now I'm a bobcat, and rightfully so. Of course. But I, I also want to mention um, the Bengals' very stout defensive front line. Uh, the Bengals' defense has improved uh, this year. Uh, Trey Hendrickson, I think he's close to leading the NFL in sacks, which means tackling the quarterback when he yep. goes back to pass, for those of you listening that may not know. Uh, former Ohio State player Sam Hubbard and Larry Ogunjobi, uh, they they are playing very well this year. Uh, they're going to have to play well tomorrow. The Raiders' defense is a little suspect, and for me, I think. How do you mean? Well, they're not they're not a top notch NFL defense, uh, to put it that way. So they are very suspect in uh, on big plays and with somebody like Joe Burrow and the receivers he has to throw to. Uh, they are very poised to uh, pull off a victory. Tomorrow. Now you're in you're in touch with the family, yeah, and so on. Um, Joe hurt his knee, right? Last year, yeah, tore the ACL and MCL. Okay, and then he's been bumped around a couple times this year. Yep, had dislocated uh, little finger on his throwing hand. Last game, they sat him out because he wanted to rest. Well, he didn't want to. The organization wanted him to. Okay. Yeah. Because, well, okay. Concerns there? I don't think so. I think Joe gets past those things, as I've mentioned before. Um, He may get knocked around, but the games I've seen him play that he's gotten hit, he is one tough hombre, let me tell you. He, and from watching him through high school, college, and now in the NFL, he is probably, if not the toughest competitor mentally and physically that I've ever seen. And I think those things won't bother him. I think it would take a devastating injury to keep him off the field. Uh, I hope and pray that never happens again. Of course. But he is a winner, and I've I've not seen an athlete with the mental toughness, the intelligence, the physical toughness, the whereabouts of game smarts, the ability to adapt on the field, um, the it factor again, more than I've seen in, in Joe Burrow. He is just an extraordinary young man when it comes to performance on a football field. And he's an extraordinary young man off the field, from what I understand. Oh, absolutely. Too, I, so I know just, him better in that way. Yeah, talking to his, his dad and mom, that he is just a, a great guy. And as you've heard me mention, too, he's, he's wonderful with children that come up to him that ask for his autograph. So uh, go Joe, go Bengals, kick off at 4.30 tomorrow. You can catch it all here at 9.70. Okay, now, um, we've been trying on free-for-all days to play um, um, one of the Fred Palmer commentaries. Um, I'm wanting to play one now, and I, I see it up here, and it says, The Art of Listening. 
I think that was up yesterday. Did I fail to do it? Correct. Okay, so I just didn't want to repeat one. Right. And even if we did, you know, they're all good. So So here we go, folks. Um, It'd be neat if they had a date next to when they first Yes, they would. But uh, this is years ago, the Fred Palmer commentary entitled The Art of Listening. Friends, do you know how to listen? A good listener can hear, evaluate, retain, and respond. Some do not hear at all. They let their attention be distracted by something else that they see or hear. Can you evaluate the content rather than the delivery? Can you remember what was said? How long can you remember it? And if action is called for, you must respond or write or phone. Your mind works four times faster than the speaker speaks. This lets you hear, sift, evaluate, and retain. If the speaker speaks too slowly, chances are the listener's mind will dart off to something else. During waking hours, many people spend more than 80% of their time communicating, and half of that is listening. In school, students spend up to 70% of their classroom time listening. It takes energy and concentration to listen well. First, ask yourself, how does this speech relate to me? Second, judge the content, not the delivery. Third, don't prejudge a speech until you understand it fully. Four, listen for the central idea, not just the facts. Five, take fewer notes and listen. Six, really concentrate on your listening. Seven, resist distractions. Eight, don't resist difficult material. Nine, keep an open mind so you can select and absorb. And ten, thought is faster than speech. Mentally summarize what you hear. Now that I've just told you how to listen, could you tell me what I've just said? (laughs) Just thought you'd like to know. Yeah. Well, we're proud to be able to bring those to you. Uh, albeit uh, we first did years ago, it's, um, and we're trying to find more of them. We got lots of them, but there's so many more we have yet to find. Yeah. Well, I I particularly liked a lot of the well the ten. Obviously, all of them that he mentioned were good, but especially about uh, don't prejudge the content of a speech before it's made, and listen. To controversial subjects as well. I think uh, a lot of colleges and universities could take some good advice from that commentary right there. Let's see here. I brought in some other stuff. Um. Also, while you're looking for that Bobcat basketball uh, tomorrow uh, on the flagship station at the Ohio Bobcats, Power 105, uh, they will be traveling to Central Michigan tomorrow. Not an easy place to play, but... Uh, Cold up there. Yeah, the Bobcats are not an easy team to play either. I mean, they are on a roll. What have they won? Nine in a row now? Um, Something like that? I thought they were 11-2. and two. Oh, in a row. In a row, yeah. I see. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I'm just going to look I think here they're 12 real quick. And thir- 12 and 2 now. 13 and 2. They, 13 and they've 2. won 8 in a row. <coughs> 9 and 0 at home. They uh And of course we hope you heard the uh, coach uh, um Jeff Bowles. Jeff Bowles show last night. Yeah. 
They play tomorrow at 4.30, the same time the Bengals play. We'll be flipping back and forth. Yep, get the radio and TV going there, and you're all set. Okay, so I got two trivia questions here that I brought in. First one is, I don't know. One is important, one is maybe not. I'll do the not first, okay? Now, do you know a Sinopris? S-Y-N-O-P-H-R-Y-S. These are trivia questions. Do I know what it is? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Doesn't everybody? Well, I didn't. It's it's the fusion of the eyebrows. Okay, how did you know this? Of of, of above the nose? Yeah. I don't know. I've been to ear, nose, and throat specialists, you know, growing up, and sometimes you try to educate yourself on things around the sinus area, and that's just one of the things okay. I, I came came to remember, I guess. <laughs> I'm I'm simply amazed that you knew that. <laughs> Okay, so let's think of the Muppets, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to name four Muppets. There's Bert. There's Cookie Monster. There's Ernie. And there's Kermit the Frog. Now, that eyebrow that goes from one side of the face to the other. Both above both eyes, but doesn't break for the nose. Unibrow. Or a synopris. Synopris, yeah. Synopris. Which of the Muppets had that? Well, give me the four again. Bert. The Cookie Monster, Ernie, or Kermit the Frog? Oh, my. Um, hmm, 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 hmm. It wasn't Kermit. Um, I'm eliminating. I'll say Bert. You are correct. Now. 34% of those who took this test got it right. But that's probably because they didn't know that term. Could be. Okay, uh, okay. here's here's another one. This is I, a little more serious. I have to say this first. The, the, the Muppets, the two uh, older... Muppets that were always up in the balcony of the theater. Yes. yes. <laughs> Waldorf and Statler, I think, was their name. Those guys were so funny to me. Those yeah. characters, yep. I should say. Okay. Now, when you look at all the nations in the world, which has the most population? Isn't it? China is correct. Now, the question is, 
What percentage? the world's population is China. And, you know, okay, so I'll just tell you. 18%. I was going to guess around 15. 18%. That's amazed. Yes. Simply amazed. Many people as there are in China? Um, let's see here. From the New York Times this morning. Let's see. This, this particular segment says maskless and inaccurate. Okay, let's see what they're getting at. When the Supreme Court justices emerged from the red drapes at the front of the courtroom last Friday and took their seats to hear arguments about President Biden's vaccine mandate, all but one of the justices were wearing masks. The exception was Neil Gorsuch. So they go on that Gorsuch would resist mask wearing is no surprise. He is a conservative judge with a a libertarian streak who has spent his life around Republican politics. In conservative circles, masks have become a symbol of big government subjugation. But his decision not to wear one, while the other Republican appointees on the court all were, still felt surprising. But justices usually make an effort to treat one another respectfully. They disagree on the law, sometimes harshly. While maintaining productive and even warm relationships, like the famous friendship between Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This is a quote. When you're charged with working together for most of the remainder of your life, you have to create a relationship. Sonia Sotomayor said that a few years ago, describing her welcoming of Brett Kavanaugh. This is our work family. Well, Gorsuch had to know that his masklessness could make other justices uncomfortable, including the 83-year-old Stephen Breyer and the 67-year-old Sotomayor, who has diabetes, a COVID risk factor. Sotomayor sits next to Gorsuch on the bench and and notably chose not to attend Friday's argument in person. She participated remotely from her chambers. When Ruth Marcus of the Washington Post asked Supreme Court spokesperson about Sotomayor, 
about whether Sotomayor had done so because Gorsuch was maskless. Um, she got no response. One of the few comments, uh, public comments, from somebody close to Gorsuch came from Mike Davis, a conservative activist and former Gorsuch clerk. On Twitter, Davis defended his former boss by writing, We know cloth masks don't work. It was a statement that managed to be both exaggerated and beside the point. I'm going to stop the story here and just mention that yesterday uh, we were visiting the James Hospital in Columbus and I was wearing a cloth mask. And I entered it to accompany Pat and a very nice person said, Sir, you you need to replace your cloth mask with one of our new paper ones. So I put the cloth mask in my pocket and picked up one of their new paper ones that goes in line with what they were just saying a moment ago. Okay, masks, especially medical makes like K, uh, KN95 and N95 masks, reduce the spread of COVID, studies show. In response to that evidence, the Supreme Court tells lawyers and reporters in the courtroom to wear medical masks. The effect of masks may not be as large as their advocates sometimes claim, and masks can impede communication. So I recognize that well-meaning people can disagree about when they should be worn. Still, Gorsuch's lack of a mask inside the courtroom seemed needlessly risky and disdainful of all of his colleagues. Wearing a mask is the decent thing to do, Marcus wrote in her Washington Post column especially when you are around vulnerable individuals. Well, this week, Gorsuch again appeared without a mask at the court. His decision seems emblematic of a country where partisan loyalty can trump COVID loyal reality. It also seems emblematic of a court on which the justices are increasingly willing to behave as partisan actors rather than impartial judges. And if you're a liberal reader, who's tempted to believe that those descriptions apply only to Republicans? Or a conservative reader who's frustrated that I have focused on Gorsuch? Well, I hope you will read the rest of today's newsletter. This is, again, from the New York Times. And you can go on and look at more of it there on their website. This is called The Morning Report. Let's see here. We only have a moment or two left. Let me scan through here, see if anything else pops out.
there's a there's a, a thing they've invented, or somebody has. It's called a nasal ranger, and it looks like uh, not a tel- telescope. What do they call it? Binoculars, right? Except you put it up to your nose, and there's two feeds, one for each nostril, and then this thing that reaches out, perhaps a foot long, has a handle on it, and you have two different things that gather scents. So it increases your your advance, uh, it advances your science of smell. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, that that's kind of odd. And I don't know, for some reason or other, I'm curious about <laughs> well that's that's probably it folks we've we've enjoyed being here this week we'll be here with you next week as well and the week after that and so on we want you to have a very safe weekend and yet try to find have a in our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Shoppers will encounter more empty store shelves this weekend as the trucking industry reaches a breaking point. Federal transportation officials are launching a new push to recruit more drivers. Correspondent Errol Barnett spoke to Secretary Pete Buttigieg. What is your reaction to seeing grocery store shelves bare? Were you shocked by that? Oh, I'm very concerned about this, and it reflects the fact that as long as we go through phase after phase of this pandemic, we're seeing disruptions in supply. He says low pay is partly to blame for the yearly turnover rate for drivers hitting 90% in parts of the industry. Retail sales fell 1.9% during December's holiday shopping season. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. The results for both November and December indicate that a lot of shoppers were worried about the holiday season. They pushed up a lot of their purchases. That's why November came in so strong, and there was a fall-off from November to December. Overall, retail sales were up almost 17% from a year ago. Daily Omicron cases have been falling in Cleveland, Newark, Washington, D.C., but they're still surging in cities along the West Coast. Something they have in common, pop-up test sites. There's a warning. Many are using unapproved or expired test kits. Michelle Taylor heads the Shelby County Health Department in Memphis. If you in counter a location that you have questions about, the best thing to do is to call the police so that we can investigate and see what's going on. There's a snowstorm on the way. CBS meteorologist David Parkinson says it's targeting every state east of the Mississippi except Florida. It's starting up in the northern plains. It's going to bring the potential for as much as uh, we'll just shy of a foot of snow to portions of Iowa today and then it's going to dive south. From the coastal Carolinas, it's expected to head north all the way up to Maine. Forecast calls for a foot of snow in the Midwest. A judge in western Illinois has been disciplined over a controversial ruling. CBS's Jim Crisula. Adams County, Illinois Judge Robert Adrian will no longer handle criminal cases and has been sent to small claims court. The judge in the Mississippi River City of Quincy sparked outrage when he threw out the sexual assault conviction of an 18-year-old man. The judge found Drew Clinton guilty last fall of raping a 16-year-old 
15-year-old girl. But he tossed the conviction to avoid giving Clinton the mandatory minimum sentence of four years in prison. In northern India... Tens of thousands of devout Hindus took a holy dip in the waters of the Ganges River. Almost none wore face masks. Dow up 194. This is CBS News. Looking for quality candidates this new year? Look no further than Indeed. Our new video interview tool takes the hassle out of virtual hiring. Visit Indeed.com credit. I know you've been waiting a little bit longer than normal. Jen's manicure spot needs an extra pair of hands. Who's at the front desk right now? Someone who's handy with everything from nail files to spreadsheet files. Deidre's not coming in today, but we have that whole bachelorette Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed.